Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Quartz on Sign Out Podcast once again. I'm Josh Av. Josh Av, as always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, future jiu-jitsu world champion, Angel Ortega. Uh, as always, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this, this week. It is UFC 282 Fight Week. However, before we get into all that, I want to go and tell you about our sponsor of the show, Rogue Energy. If you want 10% off your order at RogueEnergy.com, use the code SALAF at checkout. It's code SALAF at checkout for 10% off of all your energy needs. They keep me fueled up to go through every single day. However, if you're looking for something on the opposite spectrum of, thi- spectrum of things, if you're looking for something to cool you down, Elixir.com, because Elixir is currently one of the leading distributors of Delta 8, 9, and 10. For fans of the Courts SNL podcast, Elixir is allowing 10% off with the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. Please check your local laws to ensure that you're in a state where Elixir can ship to you. Uh, huge fan of Elixir. And their products. I've been a fan of them since before they've even sponsored the show. Angel, I know that he, he's also tested them out. Incredible products, lab tested. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're great. And code sound off for 10% off. Holidays are coming up. If you want to go ahead and buy somebody some Delta 8 for Christmas, go for it with code sound off at elixir.com. Uh, before we get into UC 282, we ought to talk about UC Orlando. Cause last Saturday night from the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida, some welterweights went head-to-head in the main event, and it was a uh, a fight-of-the-year contender, an excellent back-and-forth fight. In the end, it's Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, nearly 40 years young, getting the TKO win over Kevin Trailblazer Holland. Just incredible fight. Round one was an incredible incredible round. Holland hurt him, but after that, it was Wonderboy coming from behind. Apparently, we found out later on that Holland broke his hand in uh, landing a right cross in round one, and it makes sense. But he kept on throwing that thing all the way until round four. So, uh, pretty wild guy there. But yeah, dude, one mm-hmm. gets back in there, gets back, um, on the right track with a huge win. And dude, he afterwards calls out Conor McGregor. And so did somebody in our comment <laughs> event who we'll also talk about. Uh, but as far as that realist, that's not a realistic call out. But if we're talking about the fight itself, give me your thoughts on Wonderboy's win and who do you want to see him fight next, man? I mean, this is a massive win for him. No, fuck that, Josh. Conor McGregor? No, oh, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I was about to drop the oh, promo. Shit. I was about to drop the promo for Winterboy, dude. No. Uh, man, look, we knew this was a possibility. I said those kicks get flowing, which I think ended up being like the downfall in a way, right? Because the kicks ended up landing very well. And also, I mean, uh, Holland ended up feeding into the game, right? You know, he, he kept it on the feet. There's a few situations where he, he stood up the fight when they ended up on the ground, which was – not going to lie, pretty low IQ, but it's Kevin Holliman, and he wants to entertain, so I get it. Um, look, in the end, would have those positions maybe changed the outcome of the fight, right, or those single rounds? Who knows, right? But they would have added some other element, right, in some capacity. But congrats to, uh, congrats to Wonderboy, right? I mean, at the end of the day, he, he caused the damage. He created that damage. He could have even maybe broken that hand with those, uh, those kicks he was throwing up that Holland was walking with one hand and not both hands to reduce the shock. I mean, it, it was nice seeing Wonderboy win again, but it, it was definitely sad seeing. Uh, I mean, these, these are two guys that I think everybody likes. Everybody likes uh, Stephen Thompson. Everybody likes uh, Kevin Holland in some capacity. And uh, I think everybody was kind of on edge, you know. And it ended up being a great fight. I mean, people are talking about a fight of your contender. Personally, not. 
it was a great fight, though. Not going to take away from it. Fight of the year, though? Eh, I don't know. I'm not going to mm-hmm. really argue for it. But uh, as far as the Wonder Boys call out, I mean, yeah, probably not going to happen. But who knows, right? You can dream. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was amazing. I, as far as – I don't know. I don't know who's next for Wonder Boy. You know, he's he said he's not done. You know, he still he still wants to chase it. I mean, he he, he maybe could – I just think that Kevin Holland was just a, a good matchup for him, and we ended up both going with Holland. But he he shot at me, man. I thought he was yeah. you know try to mix it up a little bit, you know, do some stuff. But no, that that was not the case. Not not to the extent of Sean Strickland, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean he did the opposite. He let Wonder Boy up. There was a couple of times where like they just got into scrambles, and he just let him up, which was certainly a decision. Um <laughs> I mean, look, man, this was an incredible performance by him. Now, I agree with you that's not fight of the year. Uh, there were some people saying that, and um, I went back and rewatched it, and I couldn't really – I mean, it was a fun fight. The fight of the year I thought was pretty overblown. But as far as the performance itself goes, just pure class. I mean, at this point, Wonder Boy should only be fighting strikers, straight up. And I know some people are like, well, you know, he's he, he's too lo- he's too good at striking to only fight strikers because – Based off of this fight, we're just battered Holland. But I don't know, man. I think if Kevin Holland didn't break his hand, probably a different story of the fight. But even then, just the way he mixed in the kicks, even mixing in kicks at close range, which was the most impressive thing to me. Wonder Boy should not be 39 years old fighting in the fucking pocket with a young lion and then randomly throwing out a spinning back kick and landing. That's not something that should be happening. You know what I mean? And that happened multiple times where, like, he would just be landing a combination Boom, fucking spinning back kick to the body or to the head or whatever. Like, he just, he was ruthless in there, man. And it's been a while since we've had a vintage Wonder Boy performance, but he went out there and put it on him, and I'm very excited to see what he does next. I've always thought that, like, if Wonder Boy can have the right matchups, he, he can still work himself into, like, an an, an, uh, an RDA situation. Like, RDA, who we'll talk about in a minute, funnily enough, is a guy to where he's at that level to where it's like, he maybe wants to do fun fights, because he's almost 40, and he, you know, he's not actively searching out the title, but I could, he's going to find himself in contender positions just by virtue of the fact that he's still that fucking good. You know what I mean? And there was a lot of doubt about Wonder Boy going into this one, because, you know, he's lost two, and the Bilal Muhammad fight was especially brutal. But uh, look, dude, he stays in the top ten because a huge win, and I'm sure he'll have a, another huge fight next. I don't know who he'll face, but uh, hopefully it's a fun one. Um, in the co-main events... Also a welterweight, Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Brian Barberino. We said going in that, like, RDA, and I said it right now, that he's a guy that he wants to do fun fights, not actively searching out the title. So they gave him Bam Bam, who's a guy in that fun fighter category. And he just, he dog-walked him, man. It wasn't even close. He ends up getting the second-round submission win. RDA was one of the biggest favorites on the card, and it showed. I don't think there's a whole lot to take away from this one. He also called out Conor McGregor. Uh, this one, that, to be fair, that one's much more uh, possible. Um, but in the end, man, what do you think about this fight? Uh, it overall, just a great win for the Brazilian. I mean, I thought it was exactly the way the way the fight concluded. That's how I thought it was going to play out. And you ended up controlling him a lot, getting into submission. And it's just beautiful. I mean, he's one of the most well-rounded fighters in the whole promotion. And actually, we didn't fucking the whole planet, let's be honest, right? He's capable of keeping – he's able to perform on the stand-up and able to perform at the ground. And he's able to be dynamic in fights uh, against his opponents. And he just proves it here once again, even as he gets older and maybe at times there has been some few doubts and going back and forth between weights, right, or whatever you want to say. Uh, 
you know, and, and I've been saying, man, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't tried to make Connor RDA because there's history there. You know, they'll have a little back and forth. You know, the Brazilians hate Connor already because of what he did to Jose Aldo. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot there to, to, to set up that matchup if they choose to, whether they decide to or not. I mean, I guess we'll find out into this coming, uh, into this next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say about this one to be, to be, uh, completely frank, but, um, yeah, man, I mean, I'm excited to see what RDA does next. He still has a lot of talent even at his age. Um, which, like I said, kind of makes matchmaking a little bit difficult considering the fact that he wants to do fun fights, but he's still that goddamn good. Like, who, who are other fighters in the fun fight category around his age? I mean, like, Jim Miller, uh, that one would not go well. Like, maybe Alex Morono, cause he fought, uh, he's fought in a couple of these guys. Uh, I mean, Matt Brown, I mean, but RDA beats every single one of those guys very easily. So there, there's, it's going to be interesting seeing what he does in the future. But I mean, as far as the rest of this card goes, man, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. They kind of, it kind of showed the difference between these fights that take place, fight nights, excuse me, that take place at the apex versus in a crowd. Cause the crowd made this card so much better. Now granted, to be fair, the main card, one of the best main cards of the year, top to bottom, regardless. Uh, but give me your thoughts on this one, man. What are some fights you're looking forward to talking about? You know, I, t- I talked about how Matias Nikola had been, you know, in the promotion for a little bit now. Had been, I feel like he needed to get that finish, you know, something to kind of cement himself, kind of attract the UFC a little bit. And he got it, man. And, and with a, a sick little celebration with a samurai sword pull and, and then putting it back in the sheath, make, you know, make believe, obviously. But, uh, no, I mean, it was, uh, it was a stellar performance, something that I think uh, what I wanted to see is what we got. And uh, it was nice to see that. But I think he is. Did he talk about his contract being up like right after the fight or something like that? I do not remember. I think he talked about that. And he's like on a six fight win streak or something like that. And he's, he was, that was his last fight on his contract, supposedly. I don't know. I mean, regardless, though, I mean, another good performance. It might have, it might have been his opponent, too. I don't know. But I know Possibly. there was. There might have been some some talk in that in that about a contract being finishing up or finished up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. But you know who I'm who I really uh, I'm looking forward to talking about Angel Sergey Motherfucking Pavlovich. <laughs> this guy, man. This I, I said I read somewhere that now he has like. At heavyweight, he has the fastest, uh, he like leads in all categories in relation to like fastest finishes on average, fastest fight on average. He's had, what is it, six fights in the UFC, all of them have not gotten out of the first round, including the loss to Overeem. But since then, five fights in a row, all winning by knockout. Most of these haven't finished the first minute. Um, borderline insane. What were your thoughts about him knocking out Tai Tuivasa? Now, I knew, we knew it was a reasonable possibility. Uh, because Ty is coming off of like a, you know, a recent-ish knockout loss, and we kind of question if he's too early, early for him. Give your thoughts on Sergey Pavlovich, man. He is a guy that is quickly, and he, kind of out of nowhere too, rising up this heavyweight division. Like he's not really talked about in the contendership. He's not really talked about for getting a title shot, but he probably should be at this point. I mean, I mean, definitely now, right? Mm. Uh. And look, you got to give credit to the guy. I mean, three fights in, in this year after being sidelined for, for almost two, three years, which I, I don't know the whole situation behind that. Obviously, COVID played a part. Obviously, the whole stuff between Russia and Ukraine also, I'm sure, played a part. There's a lot of things there to kind of uh, 
I think kind of put his career on the back burner a little bit, or at least slowed it down in some capacity. But mm-hmm. I mean, the outcome, man, is exactly what I thought what it was going to be. I thought he was going to get a, you know, tie out of there, and it was, you know, I think a big part of that wasn't just Sergey's skill set, but if not how Ty fights and how Ty decides to fight. And look, he in those exchanges, he, he was giving it, trying to give it right back. But Sergey just had the accuracy, he has the power, and he's putting these guys out. I mean, he's giving Ngannou a run for his money as far as taking these guys out of the picture. And now mm. he's putting himself in a position where it's like, you know, I he deserves to fight a Curtis Blade, Cyril Gaon, and potentially at some point a, you know, Francis Ngannou for the title. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he is he he is the white Ngannou. I mean, that's that's the meme now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just side, the dude is insane. I mean, it is a crazy run that he's been on. But, yeah, huge win for him. Uh, hopefully he's in the discussion now for a title shot because he deserves it. But uh, another impressive performance, Roman uh, D'Elise. Coming in here on short notice, that's a fucking statement win if I've ever seen one, dude. That is That was coming in short notice. He took this fight, let me see, uh, on, like, the end of November. Uh, like, November 22nd is whenever he accepted the fight. Two weeks' notice, essentially. Goes in there and TKO's Jack Hermans, who's coming off of one of the greatest performances of his career against Chris Curtis. Insane performance by him. Um, also on the main card, Eric Anders, knocking out Kyle Dawkins, your boy, getting a big win that he really needed. Um, Philip Rowe, knocking out Nico Price. Insane performance. Now, of all the, of all the fights, dude, now the main card was a banger. Top to bottom. Prelims were also fun, but it was it was the old dogs, dude. Now, granted, not all of them won, but the old dogs turned in some insane performances. Angela Hill, I don't want to call her an old dog, but dude, she's been around, she's thirty seven and she's been in the UFC since the start of the women's strawweight division. Been in the UFC for almost ten years now, facing Emily Ducote, who have hyped for a long time, beat the dog shit out of her. <laughs> Clay Guida <laughs> in there, UFC Hall of Famer, forty years old, about to be forty one. Beat Scott Holtzman. Michael Johnson taking on Mark Casey. He wins. Uh, Darren Elkins was another old dog, but he didn't end up winning. He lost by decision to Jonathan Pierce. What are your thoughts on all those performances, man? Just, uh, it was a good night for some of the old vets. Man, I mean, it was impressive, man. I mean, I paid Michael Johnson uh, to win a fight. I thought he could get it done. Clay Guida was iffy on. Uh, Angela Hill, I'm, I was happy to see that, right? Because I feel like a lot of people had kind of, for a while now, have been trying to write her off because of, you know, some split decisions that she should have got, but she, she didn't go her way and, and being a little unlucky. But, but, I mean, a stellar performance against Emily Dakota, I mean, uh, and Darren Elkins, man, I mean, the name speaks for itself, the damage. Uh, he received a lot of that, uh, that night, but the hands of Jonathan Pierce, but as far as Jonathan Pierce's performance, I mean, it was as good as you could get. I mean, he threw everything in the kitchen sink at Darren Elkins and he couldn't get him out of there. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was just a clean performance on his and just the guy, Ed Darren, just can take a hit, man. Now talk about taking a punch, man. He is the guy who can take a punch. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And it, Jonathan Pierce, dude, he's not ranked, by the way. I ranked know, number I saw 15. That. Isn't that crazy? Um, How quick it was? That is crazy. Yeah, I mean, five wins in a row, and he has some, he has some pretty good scouts on there, too. I mean, who, you, who would you like to see him fight now that he's ranked? Now that he's number 15? A well, I mean, it's of, a good. You a know lot what? of those guys are available. It's, it's a good thing you asked, uh, because 
Um, he so he ranked number fifteen. He knocked out our boy Alex Caceres. Alex is going to be fighting Juliana Rosa on the seventeenth. He should fight the winner of that fight. I like that. I like that. Just because I mean, he knocked out Alex in a storyline there, and if Juliana Rosa wins, he'd be on a four fight winning streak. So it makes sense. It makes sense. Um. Yeah, man. By the way, but you got to give props to John Pierce, man. He's a guy I never would have expected. Like, he came off the contender series, and people forget this because his run is so incredible. He came in UFC debut. He's supposed to be the guy that knocked. Because they, they, they were the UFC was trying to do the standard thing, right? They were feeding Joe Lozon in his final fight to this guy off the contender series, and he's probably going to get mauled. And said Joe just annihilated him in a minute thirty, just crazy. One of the greatest performances career, and it aged really well, man. I never would have expected Jonathan Pierce to turn around and have the run that he did after getting mauled by Joe Lozon. So, got to give him props, man. But, yeah, it was a good night. Good card overall, man. Incredible card for you, to Orlando. But, God damn it, Angel. It's usually 282 fight week, my man. It's Let's fucking go. fight week. Let's Last go. pay-per-view of the year. Last pay-per-view of the year, boys. Here we go. We're going to be hanging out with this one, so I'm excited for this one. But, woo! Yeah, and, it, dude... We said it last week, and we you disagreed with me a little bit, but like this, this they needed they don't really have a good main event, which is why they have the light heavyweight mate title kind of makeshift main event. But the card top to bottom, there is like a little bit of something for everybody. There is a big name in Patty. You got some UK fighters in this one. You got a lot of fucking incredible fights. But we're gonna start from the main event. UC 282, go down T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada, light heavyweight title on the line. Jan Wachowicz, the former champion, 39 years young, coming off a win over Alexander Rochich in May. He thought that win was going to be good enough to get a title shot. It is just not in the way he expected. He was hoping to face, obviously, uh, Yuri Prashaka. He lost his title, so now he's going to be facing Magman Ankulayev, who, since he joined the UFC, he was kind of viewed as like this guy is a is a fucking contender, and now he's thirty. He's in his prime, eighteen and one, and his run that he's currently on is pretty pretty crazy. Now he lost to Paul Craig in his UFC debut in March 2018. If you don't watch that fight, he beat Paul Craig's ass for about uh, fourteen minutes and fifty seconds, but then he got caught in a triangle. Since then, knockout win of Marcin Procneo, decision win Clinton Abreu, knockout win Dolce Lem. Uh, Lemvuglia. I totally butchered that name, but regardless, he knocked him out. Knockout win Ian Kutilaba. Another knockout win of Ian Kutilaba. Win over Volkan Uzdemir. Win over Tiago Santos. Knockout win over Anthony Smith. The guy is on an incredible run, but Angel, do you think he'll continue that run to become light heavyweight champion on Saturday? Absolutely, man. I mean, we're talking about a a guy who, I don't think we're talking about that. I feel like he never really absorbs a lot of Punches, you know. I mean, he he gets hit obviously, but he, he's talking like really heavy shots, especially against uh, you know the legendary Polish power that Jan Blachowicz possesses. Uh, which man, look at the end of the day, right? You know, at these heavier weight classes, especially these guys at you know 200 plus, you know, with one, it just it could change it all, right? He could put him out clean and spark him out, and that's the end of Magomed Ankalaev's run right there. And we get the two-time you know champ and Jan Blachowicz, right? But uh. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Blachowicz is going to have a very safe game plan in five rounds to be able to draw out the fight. Maybe mix in some wrestling in there. We'll fight. I mean, he, in, in his last two fights, he's been a little bit more in the stand-up. I think even in the Anthony Smith fight, he focused on just being a little bit more, uh, you know, throwing a lot of kicks, 
being clean, you know, fighting out, uh, you know, fighting a little bit at distance and being safe. And I think with Lovich, I mean, that's going to be an ideal style because you you don't want to get into any of those big heavy exchanges and any of those heavy shots. And I'm curious to see if he's actually able to take down a Blahovich and decides to go that route and do some wrestling and, and see if he can uh, put some you know put Blahovich in some trouble there because we've seen in the past that that has been an area that has some caused some trouble. And I think that what's hopefully I think that's what will probably be you know the downfall the downfall of Blahovich's fight unless he's able to prevent it and never get to the ground and not give Uncle Live the opportunity and land those big shots, get in deep, and maybe land some of those body kicks that he had landed on Dom Reyes before on uh, Uncle Live. Maybe with the body, break him down a little bit, slow him down, maybe chop his legs too, and, you know, draw him out and then finish him late. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Josh, I think you'd be mistaken. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you'd be surprised. I think Magman Uncle Live is going to fuck him up. But, man. Do you know- do you not believe in the legendary Polish power, Josh? You know what? I really, I really do believe in the legendary Polish power. And here's the thing: is I have doubted Jan Blachowicz for the majority of his run because it's, it's it's pretty much something we've never seen in MMA. Not I don't want to say never seen, but a guy who is kind of like a journeyman um, at like age 36, randomly becoming a contender, becoming champion. You don't ever really see that, like. Ever. I can't even think of another name. Can you think of somebody like that? Like, Jan literally lost to Pat Cummins and was on the verge of being cut. He lost like four of his five to start a UFC career. And he wasn't a world beater before that. I don't think he was a KSW champion, but he wasn't one of their highly rated prospects at the time. So, I've doubted him every step of his run. He could make, he could prove me wrong again, but I am going to take Mogwin Uncle Live. I've just been so high on this kid for so long. I saw him in the green room, and I've been high on this kid since before he's in the UFC. And watching his whole journey, it's been incredible, and I think he caps it off with a title win. I really do. I really do think so. Um, I've said for a long time he's a problem. I said he's a future champion. Now, granted, I didn't expect him to get the title shot this soon. I thought he was going to have to beat Jan uh, to get it, but I said he'll be getting, he'll beat Jan and become a champion. And uh, we'll see what happens there. I, I mean, Jan is absolutely capable of winning this fight. I want to be clear about that. Jan is absolutely capable. That legendary Polish power. He has incredible striking on the feet. But I think Ankalai could take the fight to the ground. I think on the feet, I think he'll still have the advantage. And I don't think it'll be massive, but I think he'll have the advantage on the feet. So, um, I'm, nonetheless, I'm very excited for this fight. I'm glad they put a title on the line. I feel bad for Glover. Uh, and it was kind of just a shitty situation for all involved. Because even Jan didn't know he was getting the title shot. He was off in the he was like flying in a plane. He landed on the ground in Vegas for fight week. And he's like, oh, shit, really? Like, all right, good with me. Like, uh, I was just kind of all rushed together. But nonetheless, I'm excited for it, man. So let's see what happens in the main event. But uh, co-main event, though, Angel. Interesting, interesting co-main event. And it's interesting because it's not what you expect out of a co-main event. But they're continuing uh, the rise and, I guess, the storyline of Patty the Batty. Oh, Patty the Batty. Uh, one of, uh, the top UFC prospects, I guess, at the moment, 27 years young, obviously had, uh, a great running cage, whereas we know, we know the story, side of UFC last year, he's 3-0, and and he's quickly become a huge star by getting three finishes, all in entertaining fashion, but now he's ready for, the, I, I, well, I guess, a Jordan Levitt was a reasonably good test for him, and now he's better, now he's ready for an even bigger test, he'd be taking on Former Cage Warriors champion, Jared Gordon, who's had a great UFC run in his own right, been in the promotion for five years now, going on six. 
um, beating some good names. And he's writing a – he's not writing, but he's won four of his last five fights, only losses to Grant Dawson, coming off a win over Leandro Santos in August. Very interesting fight. Interesting that it's in the co-main. But, uh, Angel, do you think Jared Gordon is going to be able to pull off the episode on Saturday? Do you think there's going to be another step in the, the ongoing tales of Patty the Batty? I think Jared Gordon could could really push Patty Pimblett, depending how the fight goes. I think Jared Gordon is actually the perfect guy right now at this time for Patty because I think we'll give us the idea of his level. Because if you give you struggles with Jared Gordon, I think we'll be we'll, we'll kind of be like okay, we we kind of get an idea where he's at. But if he gets Jared Gordon out of there handedly, in, in good fashion, right? Because Jared Gordon has a, you know is, is, has a decently slick jiu-jitsu game. He comes, I think he 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 has a like train with the at one of the Gracie gyms. Uh, he has been knocked out, you know. I mean, it's, I think it's, uh, I think he has like three or four losses you've seen, and three of them were uh, KOs, and I think one of them, I think even one of them was like Oliveira. So there you go. But you know, he he he's a relentless guy. He's a tough guy. He he goes for a lot of takedowns at times. I'm curious if he decides to do it against Patty, who. Patty in his own right has a very slick jiu-jitsu game. I don't know if the night's going to go good for him, though. I think Patty's going to be a little too much. I think he's going to be too difficult, too unorthodox. I think if he does take him down, I think he'll be surprised with Patty's ground abilities. And on the feet, I think he'll, he'll be surprised with some of the attacks that Patty uh, does and is creative with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm on the same page. I think Jared Gordon has a reasonable chance of winning this fight. And I like Jared Gordon a lot. And I like the fact that he's made a lot of strides, which have kind of gone under the radar over the last, I'd say, like, year or two. It's been very, very impressive to me. However, I think Patty the Batty, he's just on a great run right now. I think he's a lot of momentum, man, and I don't think the UC would have made this fight if there was a reasonable chance of Patty, Patty losing. I think they're doing they're doing things the smart way with this kid. I, I Like, I've, I've said for a while now, like, I don't think his hype is on par with his actual skill level, at least at this point in time. But I think it was a very winnable fight for him, and I think he's going to go ahead and prevail. Um, probably by finish, I think it's going to be a statement win for him. Fighting in Vegas, fighting on pay-per-view for the first time. He knows he's going to go out there and make a statement, and I bet he does. So I'm going to go and take Patty the bad to continue the run. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Angel, I just saw what you sent me. That's hilarious. Yeah, Joe, Joe Rogan and Conor McGregor do not seem to be, a, do not seem to be on good terms. <laughs> After, uh, if you guys have not followed it, Joe said that Connor, he looks like his piss would melt the USADA cup. And Connor just called him out for Joe also being on steroids. So, um, interesting stuff. But regardless, all, back to UC 282. Uh, also on the pay per view, we got some middleweights going at it. Uh, Darren Till, back for the first time since his loss to Derek Brunson whenever he was fighting injured and he had a lot going on. Testing on Jigas Duplices, one of the top prospects at middleweight, 28 years young, out of South Africa, former KSW champion. He's beating some good names, man, since joining the UC. He's gone 3-0, two of those being knockouts, and one of the, the other one being a decision winner for Brad Tavares. Brad actually showed pretty, uh, pretty, showed up, uh, showed up for that one, I guess I should say, and gave him his biggest test. But do you think Darren Till will be able to, Prevail, man. I mean, he's been four of his last five being losses, had a, suffered a lot of it, a lot of injuries. Do you think he'd be able to pull off the upset? Look, I and mean, we talked about this a little bit beforehand. I think if Darren Till comes in healthy, at his best, at peak health, has a good 
camp. I think he has a great possibility of winning this. Obviously, there's a lot of question marks around him, which makes it very difficult to pick Darren Till, I think. Rodriguez has been very active, been performing, beating these top guys. He's kind of like the hot commodity right now at 185. I think him and Andre Muniz are probably the two guys at 185 that you look at it like these guys are going to be, you know, up there, potentially challenging for titles. They, they might fight at some point and to be between one of them to, to get the title at 185, you know. And, and Rodriguez is a monster, man. He's super big. He carries a lot of muscle mass for the weight class and he, he carries some decent power and, uh, for Darren Till, I, like I said, I think if he comes in, good game plan, get everything, fights at distance, and uh, does his thing, he could he could be Drakus. It's just that right now, I just don't know if Darren Till is going to come in healthy and perform at a high level that he once did. Where we have a guy like you said, Josh, who's younger, I think maybe younger or, or still young, we'll put it like that, and performing and doing it at, at this level and has been active. You know, it's looking like Jarek is, is getting set up here for, for greatness. You know, he's going to fight a, a, another ranked guy in Darren Till, go up the rankings. It, it, it's all – the stars are all aligning. I just – it doesn't seem like Jarek is – he can't fail. You know, he has to succeed, and I think it's his time. Yeah, I'm on the same page. And I and I like Darren Till a lot, and I don't necessarily think that he deserves a bad rap for his current um, – the way things have been going recently. Uh, by, by that, I mean he's – if you look at his losses, right, he lost to Brunson, but he was fighting hurt, and even in that one, he rocked Brunson, and he didn't do too bad considering the fact that he stepped in there with, like, a torn, what was it, ACL and MCL, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, fought, prior to that, he lost to Robert Whitaker. Don't forget, that fight was razor close. He had a, a split decision win every couple of It was a clear UD. Should have been just a clear unanimous decision. And then he lost to Oswald on Woodley years ago. He suffered a lot of injuries. That's out of his control. He's dealt with a lot. That's out of, frankly, out of his control. But this is a terrible matchup for him to come back to. Facing a young lion who has not lost in four years, hasn't lost in the UFC period. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and take Drikas. I mean, we, I, you gave you gave a little peek into the green room and what we talked about. But um, yeah, I mean, like if you look at it, it's like. What's the what's the most reasonable thing to expect here? Are we expecting Darren Till to turn back the clock and suddenly show up non-hurt and show things that he's shown in a long time for him to be this young lion? Or is the more expected thing, which Drikas is probably going to fuck him up, I'm going to take Drikas. I just think it makes way more sense. As much as I like Darren Till, we're kind of prescribing these ideas that aren't – you're asking him to do stuff that he cannot do at this point in time, which is beat a guy like Drikas. Given where his headspace is at, given his current losing streak, his weight changes. There's so much going on there to where this matchup is the last thing he needed. So I'm, I'm going to take Drikas. doesn't make me happy, but I'm going to take Drikas. Um, featherweights. Bryce Mitchell, Ilya Taporia. This matchup is so fucking compelling to me, man. Very compelling to me. Both these guys are young, 28 for Mitchell, 25 for Taporia. And Bryce Mitchell is on a hell of a run, man. I know that he, he came off the Ultimate Fighter. There really wasn't much hype for him. But he has just gotten his grappling down to a T. He fucking wet blankets people. <laughs> like, he's coming off a huge win over Barboza in March. Now, seeing on Ilya Tapori, who's another young lion who is incredible. Also unbeaten. Two guys, 15-0 versus 12-0. Granted, Bryce did lose on the Ultimate Fighters. But that was, uh, technically those don't count if it's not the final. Um... Yeah, man. Very compelling fight. Very, very interested. Very, very interested in this one. What do you think about it, man? I can see this one going either way. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's it, it, they could definitely go either way. I think for Ilya, 
I think the big thing is how is he going to deal with the wrestling, right? Is is he going to be able to counteract that and uh, be able to deal with that aspect of uh, Bryce Mitchell's game? Because we've seen it, man. He can hold people down forever, you know. That that and he's strong. He's a strong fucking guy. You know, he looks. You look at him, he's lean and and, and and could appear skinny to you, but there's a lot of muscle there, man. He can he can hold you the fuck down. But Ilya, man, in his own right. He has some fucking power in his hands, man. He can spark you out. He has, a, he also has a slick little jujitsu game as well. He's submitted some good guys with some unique stuff uh, in his time. And uh, and I mean, Bryce has a good jujitsu game too. You know, we, I think uh, he's, he's uh, we saw last time out against Edson Barbosa him control him a lot, and we kind of like are thinking that maybe that's you know kind of thing we've done. But he's also got a twister, you know, a very unique submission you don't see often. So. You never know, right? I think it's a 50-50 matchup. I feel like either guy is is good. Uh, I'm gonna go Ilya though. I've been, I've been, I've been high on him. I like his potential. He's young. He's 25 years old. His ceiling is very high. If he is to lose this fight, I don't think his stock goes down any, any at all. I mean, he still has another 10, 11, 12 years in the sport. Mm. Yeah, man. I'm uh, I've, I've got to admit, I'm very, very conflicted on this fight. And there's a lot of unknowns, but I'm gonna take I'm gonna take that country boy. I'm gonna take Thug Nasty. I think uh, Bryce Mitchell. He's riding a great a great run right now. And as much as I like Ilya, I'm not really. I don't, I don't know. I just he could he could get controlled. You know, I I completely get it. That's 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 what I'm expecting to happen. Now Ilya could just use that straight up brute brute strength. He's He's fucking fought at lightweight before. He's coming out. Actually, his last fight was at lightweight. He's very big for the weight class. He's young. He's only getting better. We haven't seen too much of his grappling, but what we have seen is very, very good. But I am going to go ahead and take uh, Bryce Mitchell. I don't know why. I just got a feeling about it. I'm going to go ahead and take him. I think Thug Nasty's running a great, great running. I mean, both these guys haven't lost before, but I've been very impressed with Bryce Mitchell and the fact that he keeps on stepping up to high levels of competition and he just seems to get better and better each time. So I'm going to take, go ahead and take Bryce, but it can easily go the other direction. The last fight on the main card is a short-notice one. Uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio was expected to fight Robbie Lawler, but instead will be fighting Alex Mabrono. Alex took this fight this morning, funnily enough. Um, he's riding a four-fight winning streak. Both, both these guys, very fun fighters. This one's actually going to be a catchweight at 180. Uh, Santiago is coming off of two split decision losses, can easily be fighting a three-fight winning streak. Instead, he's 0-2. In that time, or one and two, excuse me. Morono, four fight winning streak. Mickey Gall, Matthew Seisberger, he's Donald Cerrone. He's beaten some good ass names, man. Uh, 32 years young. He seems to be hitting his prime. What do you think of this matchup? I think it's a good, regardless, it's going to be a banger for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely will be a banger. I think, I mean, since Santi's return, man, I mean, it, it, it was such a long layoff, a bunch of hell stuff going on. Obviously, I'm sure COVID and a bunch of other shit didn't help that. And he comes back and he fights the leech, gets knocked out. Very sad to see, man. Gets a good win with Miguel Baeza, but Miguel is young and he's had some struggles recently too. And like you said, there's two split decision losses that were a bit rough. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't think Santiago's aged out. I mean, he, I think he's definitely could still perform at a high level because if not, he'd be getting knocked the fuck out or getting submitted or just not having a good performance overall, but he's still being very highly competitive. And there's still a Santiago Ponzinibbio in that octagon. Alex Morano, man, you, you, you're not wrong there. I think you've worded it well. I think it, it seems like he's hitting his, his prime, man, his peak. I mean, 32 years young. I think it might be his time, Josh. I think, the, I think he's going to step in here on short notice, fight at, fight at 180 pounds, 
not going to have a big weight cut. And I don't know how much weight he's going to have to cut. I guess we'll, we'll, I'm sure more will come out later, uh, you know, after the fight or, or maybe even before the fight. But uh, I think he's going to come out here and actually have a health performance against Santiago Ponzinibbio. I think the the the, the, the Argentinian dagger is going to take another loss here and to be a uh, 0-3 wow. in his last three. Wow, I was not expecting us to agree. I'm also taking uh, Alex Morono to pull off the upset here, man. Um, he's a very big guy for welterweight, but he's also a guy that's always ready. I'm sure if you guys remember, he took this Donald Cerrone fight with even less notice than this. I think he stepped in on three or four days' notice, and he ended up winning by knockout. Granted, different fighters and all, but... Oh, yeah. Ponzinibbio, he's also getting up there in age. This feels like a perfect trap matchup for him. You know what I mean? Just... He's expecting to fight Robbie Lawler, who's an older, more kind of washed guy, similar to himself. And instead, he's going to be fighting Alex Morano, who is on a hell of a winning streak, has lots of power, very difficult guy to deal with because he just has an incredible chin, great gassing, and he's always moving forward. That's not exactly the sort of thing you want to deal with on short notice. I think Morano for the upset, man, and I'm very surprised we agreed on that one. Um, as far as the undercard goes, there's a lot of fun matchups. What are some of the ones you're most looking forward to? I think we got to talk about probably one of the most hot guys, uh, you know, UFC newcomers of the year, man. I think we got to talk about Roe versus Junior, former 18 year old, youngest signed fighter to the UFC, now, uh, or former 17 year old, now 18 year old. My apologies. Signed to the UFC. Uh, take it on Jai Perrin, man. I mean, look, and, and we mention this all the time with young guys, Josh. I think it goes one of two ways. Either he has a great performance or he gets fucked up. There's no in between. I think that's just how how it is in this kind of especially in MMA too, Josh. That's the other thing. I think in boxing, uh, it could be a little different in some capacities. I think uh, it, it's just because in MMA there's more way to lose. You know, there, there's you know <laughs> everything from cuts, injuries, corner stoppage, doctor stoppage, fuck up on the scorecards, yeah, uh, crazy submission, spinning elbow, you know, spinning back fist, whatever it may be, break. You know, all, all of that plays a factor. But I think if we're talking about guys who are coming into this card with a little bit of a, a little pump, you know, a little a little of uh, energy and stuff like that, and, and, and manage to build up a following before even fighting officially in the UFC, he's he's one of them, and he's and we're going to see if he can perform at this level. Because if not, I mean, it's going to be a, a tough road for him in the UFC. But he said it, Josh, and I told you before in 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 the green room, he went up to Dana after the, uh, after he won on the Contender Series. He told him, sign me, don't doubt me because of my age, fuck Peter Yawn, fuck Sean O'Malley, I will be champion in this division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, the kid is coming in with a lot of hype, and he's, he's talking a big game. We'll see if he can back it up, man, um, because the kid does have a shit ton of potential. To be 18 years old, dude, I like. we're both grown adults now. I was not doing this at 18 years old. <laughs> I was no. doing... I was doing, like, nothing at 18. This motherfucker is fighting on UFC 282, so... This motherfucker's still in school, bro. He could still be in school. <laughs> yeah, and he's taking on... And it's a very winnable matchup for him, you know? Now, granted, Jay Perrin's lost to good guys um, in his in his UFC stint. Mario Bautista and kid whose name I can't pronounce. It's very good. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, um, and at a day, also Jay Perrin is a fully grown, developed man. You know, that's that's a huge he's twenty nine years old. You know. Like he is not gonna get any taller, you know, and any stronger than whatever he's at now, you know, unless he puts on weight. But there will be a 
I think a strength advantage and some capacity there because Rose only 18. He can only be so strong as his body allows him at this point, you know? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, he's gotten guys out of there, though, with his hands, too, so you never know, right? You never know. Yeah. Um, Regardless, man, I mean, this card overall, that's a very interesting fight, but this card top to bottom, there's, like, like I said, a little bit of something for everyone, honestly, man. Um, Garzino Rosenstrike taking on Chris Zaukis, very interesting fight at heavyweight, and especially given where the division is right now, like, you don't really think about it, but, like, you gotta, if you're, like, those guys, you gotta go out there and get a win, man. This division has so much uncertainty, and you don't, like, the winner of this fight will not be considered for a title shot, but, like, shit, somebody falls down on short notice, you need a backup fighter, that's where this winner of that fight can easily slide into. So that's a very important matchup, <clears throat> especially given all that's uncertain at the division. Uh, Edmund Shabazin coming back, uh, he needs a win bad, man. Three losses in a row, and kid still has a lot of potential, man. Like, think about this. This kid is, has not won a fight in two years. He's on a three-fight losing streak. He just turned 25. I mean, if you look at the names, though, Josh, they're pretty forgivable losses, you know? <laughs> no, no, I don't blame him at all. Jack Hermanson, decision loss. That fight was also very, very close. Derek Brunson, third-round TKO, whenever Blonde Brunson was on that run. And Nasser Dean Imavov, who's one of the greatest fighters in the division. Another great prospect in his own right. So I get it. And uh, they're, they're giving him somebody with his commensurate skill. We'll see on Dolce Lamgulia, who I already talked about earlier and butchered his name. Uh, but he's lost four or five, you know, and he's struggled a middleweight. So it's a, it's, a, it's a more winnable fight for him, for sure. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Our, our boy, friend of the show, Chris Curtis, is back. <laughs> Taking on Joaquin Buckley. Put those guys in the perfect Perfect placement. They're right there on the uh, opening up the prelims, like the middle prelims, um, not the early prelims. So awesome opportunity for both those guys. That should be a banger at middleweight. And then also, dude. Best fight at middleweight for Joaquin, by the way. Really? Yep, he's going down to 170. Wow, that's going to be interesting. Interesting. This will be his last fight at 185. Because apparently UFC asked him to fight one more fight at 185, and then they'll talk about 170. Ah, okay. Interesting, but um, yeah, I mean, as far as the rest of the card goes, man, I mean, interesting storyline that's not really being talked about. Alexander Hernandez, who's had some rough—I don't want to say too rough—like he's he's three and three in his last six, um, beaten some good guys, lost some good guys. He's coming off a loss to Hanato Moicano in February. He's moving out of featherweight, which I'm not sure where he's going to drop that weight from. Um, taking on Billy Quarantillo. Which just that is such a good fight, man. Like that is, if Alex can make the weight like healthily and everything, that fight's going to be excellent. So I'm super excited for that one. Um, yeah, I mean overall, just this card's top to bottom should be a lot of fun. We're still waiting to see if Oban Saint Pru um, will get a replacement fighter. He's dro- his third opponent has dropped out. No, no one wants him, dude. No one wants to smoke. Yeah, we'll see. Um, if he gets another fight, I hope he does, man. He deserves it, like, for all the shit he's gone through. So hopefully they get somebody to go and step up on fighting, but I I would not be the guy to step up on a couple of days' uh, notice to fight OSB. Four days' notice, three days' notice, essentially, at this point. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're stepping on this notice, it's it's going to be rough. Um, 
but we'll see. You know, hopefully he gets somebody. But that is not the only MMA we got this weekend, Angel, because we got a banger of a Bellator card going down the day before UC 282. Bellator 289 from the Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut. We got some bantamweights in a fucking heater in the main event. Interim champion Rufio Stotts taking on Danny Sabatello. These guys hate each other. Now, granted, Danny Sabatello is talk, he talks shit with everybody in general, but man, these guys don't really like each other. They built this fight up incredibly well to the point to where now, like a lot of people are paying to them. Not even just you know, not even just juicy. Like just they're they're getting a lot of attention, and that says a lot considering how like there's a pay per view this weekend. So I'm very excited for this fight. What do you think about this one, man? It, I'm just going to give you my early thoughts and just kind of get hinted who I might pick. As much as I love Danny Sabatello, it's a rough matchup for him. So <laughs> what do you think about this one, man? I mean, look, as far as it's, – it's kind of crazy, though, how they, both of these guys' careers went, right? One of the guys went on the Contender Series did not get signed, I believe. Uh, uh, didn't get signed, obviously. Uh, Rafael Stotts, he was on uh, Dana White looking for a fight, gets spinning back elbow by – I think our, our boy Marab Davashili and Marab ended up getting signed. And I mean, you see how that's worked out for Marab. It's obviously, obviously the signing did end up working out in the end, but Stotts is now in this position in, in the, in the Grand Prix at one, in, at 135 and is looking to be in the finals to, to win a million dollars. I mean, everything's kind of aligned for, I think everybody, right? In some capacity, even Danny Sabatello who didn't get signed to UFC. I mean, he's in this position, right? He beat Stotts. He's in the finale. He has opportunity of getting the title. Uh, but yeah, no. As, as far as matchup, I, th- I think it is a tough one. I mean, we're, uh, Danny's talking about, you know, uh, you know, wrestling and this, this, and that, and he's not better than me and all that. I mean, we'll, look, in, in the end, we'll have to see during the fight. I do think, it, uh, I think the wrestling will probably cancel out, but I think in the stand-up stats will have a slight advantage uh, in some capacities. Um, I'm picking stats, man. I think stats got in the bag. Granted, though, Danny Sabatella could come out here, and maybe that uh, D1 wrestling he's talking about could be it. Yeah, it could. It could. I don't think it will, though. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take Rufan Stotts. I think Rufan Stotts has been, for a while now, one of the guys that I look at as, like, he very well might be the best fighter outside the UC. Full stop. Um, and There's honestly, a lot of guys like that. There is a lot of guys like that. But I am just, every single time I see him compete, I'm even more impressed. Um. He is just an excellent guy. And interim champion now, knocked out Juan Archuleta. If you look at his resume, it's pretty fucking crazy. His only career loss was the Marab. And it was like a spinning back fist in 15 seconds. Just got caught. It happens. I like Danny Sabatella a lot. I already said that. But, um, yeah, I just don't think it's going to be a, match, a good matchup for him. Like, he, he's, he's a very well-rounded guy. And, look, I hope it's a close fight because that can give them an excuse to have a rematch somewhere down the line, honestly. But, um yeah, I'm going to go and take Ruben Stotts. I think he, it's, it's his time, man. I think it's his time. Um, yeah, I'm going to go and take Stotts. But uh, co-main event, though. Another title fight, two title fights. This one also pretty fucking interesting. Liz Carmouche taking on Juliana Velasquez. They, these two actually fought in April. And in my opinion, one of the worst stoppages in the title fight I've ever seen. Um, Juliana Velasquez is winning on the cards, but Liz Carmouche got a takedown in the fourth round. Landed a couple of elbows near the end of the round, three to be exact, and the referee waved it off. It is um, from crucifix. I should I should clarify. So it's not like she just landed some elbows on half guard. She did have dominant position, but it was almost they were 13 seconds away from the end of the round. She only landed like three elbows. It was one of the worst stops you've ever seen. So with that, they're now running the rematch. 
What do you think about this fight, man? It doesn't have a whole lot of uh, hype behind it, but it's it, the storyline is still very compelling to me. No, no, no. Obviously, it's very interesting. Obviously, I mean, and look, at the end of the day, with the savage and everything, it, it sucked because of it, 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 it was just too early, right? You know, I remember that being a whole thing and, and MMA Twitter blowing up. But look, they're running it back. Let's let's see if you know Lise can you know maybe get herself in that position again or in some other positions, right? And find success. I mean, she's holding the title. She's a champ right now. Let's just go at it again and deal with it. And for Juliana, I mean, the 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 judo player, the judoka player. I mean, I mean, you've you've already been in this. You've already winning the first time. Just go back at it. Do what you were doing before and, and get this dub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm, I, like I said, very very compelling fight. I am going to go ahead and uh, take Juliana Velasquez to regain her title. I think she was winning on the card. Now, granted, winning on the card doesn't mean a whole lot when the fight. It's only in the fourth round. Um, we saw that recently with um, our boy Corey Anderson losing. He was winning, and then the rematch all of a sudden comes back and gets, you know, not dominated necessarily, but ends up losing. Can't always tell given just off of one fight, especially when the full fight's not even completed. But I am going to take Juliana Velasquez. I think that was a terrible stop the first time around. I think she's good enough to outpoint Liz. And um, I was happy for Liz to win, honestly. I was actually very happy for her to finally get a title after being such a pioneer in the game. But I think her uh, her run's going to come to a close here. But, yeah, I mean, overall, excellent two top fights. Now, we're not going to give our pick for this one, but there is another bantamweight Grand Prix semifinal on this card, and it's Patchy Mix versus Magomed Magomedov. What do you think about that fight, man? I mean, this, this I like the fact that they put both semifinals on the same night, and that patchy mix fight might even be better than the main event. I think it, I think it might be. It potentially could be. I mean, Magomed, Magomedov, you know, obviously Stotts had a fight with him, and he, and he was like, you know, y'all were talking about that tag standy wrestling, you know, this, this, and that, and obviously he shut that down real quick. And... Obviously, Magomed's gotten put in position again to, to you know, get that title opportunity again, but he has a heck of a guy in front of him, Patchy Mix, who is a little bit of a submission ace, man. I mean, he is a, a tough guy on the ground. I mean, let's see if the fight even ends up on the ground, you know? It, I mean, you know, the styles might just clash, and it might just be uh, a, a fight on the feet more than on the ground and anything, but if it does end up on the ground, I'm curious to see if Patchy Mix is able to put Magomed in these positions and in these situations where he has difficulty and maybe attack some, some submissions that Magomed as a wrestler isn't typically used to, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting fight nonetheless. Like I said, it's in my opinion, I'm more excited for that fight than I am the main event. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot, considering those... Like, if I'm being completely frank, my top three fights this weekend, this is going to be a hot take. It's going to be Mix, Magomedov, and this isn't any particular order, by the way, Stott Subatello and Ankolaev. Wahovich. I think Bellator has two of the top three fights this weekend, just based off of pure entertainment value and technical ability. Like, those two fights are going to be absolute fucking heaters. But as far as the rest of the card goes, man, who are, who are you excited for? What fights are you most looking forward to? I, I gotta give a little highlight to, to Dalton Rosta, man. He beat uh, Romero Cotton, which was another big guy in this division who, I think, in Bellator they, they were having... They still have a lot of hope for him. It's only one loss at 185. But he got him out of there in the third round late, man, and I... And also, the guy's a specimen when you look at him, and he he is fucking shredded to the gills. And I wonder if he's going to come out here again and do the same thing against uh, one Anthony Adams, who's a little older, but you know went went on the Contender Series, didn't beat him, but went on there twice, sadly, and wasn't able to to win or in, and potentially get a shot of a contract. Got signed to Bellator last year, won his first fight, 
now he's getting put in front of Dalton Rosta, who's kind of uh, one of those homegrown talents. You know, it's 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 a really big opportunity here for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is, and I'm um, glad you called that fight out. That's an excellent fight. Personally, for me, I'm still very excited for the story of Pat Downey in that sort of whole situation. Continuing, I know that I talked about him before, but Pat Downey, interesting to put it lightly, uh, amateur wrestling career. He was a guy with a lot of controversies. He was a guy that whenever he was actually competing, he was one of the best in the world, but he had a lot of focus issues. He had a lot of legal issues. He seems to have gotten his head on straight, and um, now he's going to be making his uh, second uh, walk to the cage. He, he won by uh, submission in his debut back in August. Very excited for his return. Um, also on the prelims is a couple of other solid names. Cody Law making the return of Featherweight, another one of those guys that's a solid wrestler. He's coming up, coming off the first loss of his career. We'll see how he will rebound. Denise Keelholtz is back, I believe, former title challenger. Yeah, lost to Juliana Velasquez last Banger. July. She's making the walk. Kyle Crutchmer is back, another one of those um, former wrestling guys, former Big 12 champion. So we'll see what happens there. And Kai Kamaka, UC veteran, who I thought got a really bad shake in the promotion. He had lost to Jonathan Pierce. Uh, t- split decision loss to TJ Brown, and then a draw, and then got cut. So, yeah, um, we'll see what happens there. I mean, like I said, I'm very excited for this card. And then also, I gotta give a shout to, to my boy. Um, I don't think I've talked about the show before, but Dre Miley, who, uh, the one-eyed dragon, he's a kid, he, he has a very interesting story, man. He, he, uh, I believe he got into a car accident when he was like, um, like 16 or 18 or something. And he lost uh, vision in one of his lot, one of his eyes. But I'm assuming he has the bare minimum to compete in MMA. You have to have like at least some vision in that eye. He's been calling for a UFC or a Bellator run for a while now. He's won two fights in a row, and he finally got the call. So I'm happy for him. He's going to be opening up the card against Lucas Brennan. So very very excited. What the fuck? <laughs> I just saw Dustin Poirier's foot, dude. We'll talk about Dustin Poirier in a couple of minutes in the news section, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm happy for Jay Miley, dude. Very, very happy for him to go ahead and get that call. That's that's awesome. So, yeah, man, a little bit of something for everybody on this on this card. So, very, very excited for it. But, uh, yeah, man, we got to go ahead and hit the news. And since uh, we just brought it up, Dustin Poirier is currently in the hospital um, with a staph infection. We send out our support to him, and um, he also teased a fourth fight with Conor McGregor. So, you know. We'll see what happens there. Um, but on to, like, actual news. Tyson Fury made his return last Saturday. We did not uh, really talk about this fight at length because we knew how the result was going to go. He ends up finishing Derek Chisora in the 10th. This fight was terrible. Did not need to go on for as long as it did. Um, Derek but it Chisora's did. A- huh? But it did in the end. <laughs> no, it did. It really did. Uh, Derek Chisora was just... Just a walking punching bag for the last six rounds, but probably even longer than that, probably the last eight rounds. But regardless, what do you think about the win, and uh, what do you think about him having a face-off with Usyk after the uh, after the victory? I mean, fucking sick, man. I mean, it's it's nice to see that the, the heavyweight champion of the world is not actually retiring. You know, he talked about it so much when it initially happened. It was kind of like, man, if he isn't retiring, well, good for him, but it doesn't seem like he's going to, and... If he does it, that's fucking awesome, dude, because there's a lot of matchups that are still out there and available that could be fun, and there's a lot of 
questions that need to be answered still, I think, in this division. It's, this is not, this, this division has not come to a conclusion just yet. Correct. Because the heavyweight division has a lot of momentum right now, actually. Um, obviously, we're, we're still waiting on, on Joshua to fight somebody, you know, but it looks like Fury Usyk will hopefully be next. Wilder Ruiz, that's been ordered, and the winner of that will likely face the winner of, uh, Fury Usyk. And there's a, there's a lot of ifs involved, and we don't right. know when these fights will be made or if they'll be made because it's boxing, man. But everything looks good right now. Like it it, it looks good. So we'll uh, we'll have to hope that uh, it all happens, man. But if all goes according to plan, heavy division is in a good place. But there's not a whole lot to say considering you know this fight kind of blew and uh, and we're not sure what's gonna happen. But anyways, um. T.J. Dillashaw. Now, we have not talked about T.J. since his loss to Aljamain Sterling in October. I'm pretty sure we both said at the time that he'll probably return. In the end, that'll go down in his final career fight. We know that he There's some conflicting reports, though, Josh, from what I'm reading on Twitter. There is no longer conflicting reports. Did he come out himself, though? He did not come out himself. See, that's the thing, though. At least I don't think so. That's the thing. If he hasn't come out himself yet, that's kind of, I don't know, weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's been it's uh, been reported by uh, Helwani, ES, every single major ESPN, uh, not rephrase, let me, every single major ESPN reporter, every single major MMA outlet, um, and Dillashaw's manager, Tiki Gozen, confirmed it. So I don't believe that, um, while TJ has not confirmed it himself, obviously his, uh, his manager has, and I've I'd assume that he would know, right? Like, but it, it is it is weird though that he wouldn't. I don't know that TJ wouldn't come out himself or put out a statement. Like it's just odd, you know what I mean? No, I I agree. I I agree. I agree, and I'm sure we'll get one soon. It's only been a day. Yeah. See, so I'm looking at this right here. It says number one removed from online roster UFC roster watch bot to pick up on it. Mike Bond told TJ's team that he's not retiring. Ariel Hawani corroborates uh, via something else report at 5.15 p.m. before the Bond tweet that he is retiring. So that's what I'm saying. There's a bit of a fuckery. Yeah, but typically when there's when there's smoke, there's fire with this sort of thing. I can't think of a time where somebody just changed their mind instantly after. Like, in terms of, like, something like this, you know what I mean? But, I mean, shit, we'll see. We'll see. Um... We're waiting. For, I still say we're waiting for like the complete official report. Like people keep saying, "This is official. This is official." I'm like, "Is it really though?" Because there's some there's people who seem so unsure. Yeah, yeah. But if you, I mean, do you want to skip it? I mean, I think it's still a topic at hand, right? Because it, it could be that TJ said, "I'm thinking about it," or maybe he confirmed it and then backtracked on it, or who knows? You know, there, there's a lot of things that could have been said or miscommunicated, right? Fair enough. Fair enough. So, what do you think about it? It's weird. It's all weird. I just I want some clarity, and I want TJ to speak out about it himself. Well, I'm sure I'm sure he will. Like I said, it's only been a day. Yeah, yeah. But, no, obviously, no. I mean, but, he's just, all these reports came in what this morning? Uh, yeah, this morning, last night. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's it hasn't even been a full day. It is a bit of a botched retirement, though. If he does end up retiring, that's what I'm saying. That's that, that's why I'm like unsatisfied. I'm I'm unwilling to accept it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, th- I think you probably should. 
You know, I would have been okay if TJ would have came out with a video of him in a dark room being all sad and shit and saying he's retiring rather than it being botched like this. I don't think TJ's the type of guy to do that, though. But It's all all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um, Regardless, if he doesn't retire, hell of a career, but I don't know, man. I I really, even if this is him officially retiring, I don't know, man. I, I... I don't think he's done. I really don't think he is. That's what I'm I'm saying. That's why I refuse to believe it's a retirement. Do you think it's like a USADA situation, possibly? I I don't know. Like he's pulling McGregor, getting out of the pool? I mean, he could be, but at the same time, the other thing I thought about was it's like the UFC realizes that he's going to be gone for a very long time, so what's the point of keeping him in the rankings if he's not going to be active for probably over a year? Yeah, so that's that's that would that's what the initial report was was that apparently somebody reached out to his team and they said that that's what's going on and they were probably just wanting to cover it but then somebody asked his manager and his manager confirmed that he was done but I don't know man I think it's just as likely that he's just taking time off and getting out of Usada and I don't really blame him based off of the fact that his shoulder is really fucked like what like once you go through what he's gone through and if it's true that his shoulder was popping out like. 12 times in camp. That shoulder is, that, that shoulder's fucked for the rest of your life. Like, that's, I'm just saying it. Like, if you get, like, you guys, like, if you don't know anything about, like, how shoulders work, dude, like, that, he's gonna go through some hell for a while in terms of, like, trying to get back to normal. But, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens and we'll keep updated on this one. I'm sure that right after we finish TJ, we'll come out and confirm it. But, um, one championship, man. One championship making some strides. Uh, they are now set for the United States debut in May 5th, Colorado. And god damn, do they got a heater in the main event. Demetrius, Mighty Mouse Johnson, Eugenio Morais, the trilogy going down in May in Colorado on Amazon Prime. Both of, uh, both these guys hold a win in the, uh, the trilogy so far. What do you think about it, man? I mean, a banger. I mean, both. I, all both fights have been fucking great, so I mean it makes sense running back right one more time. And TJ, uh, not TJ, DJ, sorry, has been talking about you know how not having many fights left, and you know obviously wanting to make the best out of what he has left left in him. And you know, I think uh, a trilogy near the end is uh, very fitting, you know, and especially defending his title in that trilogy as well, and fighting in the U.S. right again. Yeah, that's got to be a big part of it too, because. You know, Mighty Mouse revealed how many fights got left? Two, three? I don't remember how many he exactly said, but it was either yeah. two or three. It's right? not a lot. I mean, we're probably going to get a year, year and a half, maybe two years max more TJ. Or DJ. DJ. We keep talking about TJ, dude. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But yeah, we're only getting a couple more years max. So for him, it's probably a big deal to actually come back and fight in the U.S., uh, probably for the final time. Um, this was the correct move to make. And I think one championship, they're very. Look, I don't necessarily, when it comes to their management, I'm not a big fan of them. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a very smart decision. I think the fact that they're coming back to the U.S., and not coming back, but they're coming to the U.S. for the first time, and they've got a, uh, you know, former UFC champion in the main event, it makes all the sense in the world. So, um, smart move by them. It's a good fight to make. We'll talk about it when it goes down in May. But, yeah, um, last bit of news. The James Krause. We've been, uh, we've been talking about the situation for a while, and um, it continues to get worse. Uh, James Krause, now, since we... Uh, might have been actually a week or two since we talked about it. But uh, last week, I 
I think it was like a day or two after we recorded, UFC sent out a thing to all their fighters stating that if they were affiliated with James Cross in any capacity, whether that be, you know, training under him or, you know, having some sort of managerial role, they will not be allowed to compete in the UFC. Along with that, they also released Derek Minner, who was the fighter that was involved in going down a minute in and how this whole thing kind of came to be on a random UFC fight night about a month ago. Along with that, Josh Thompson also chimed in, revealed that Krauss had all of his devices taken, his phone, his uh, cell phone, excuse me, laptops, computers, all relating to a potential FBI case, or not necessarily FBI, but a potential legal case against him. So, Angel, um, it sounds like the James Krauss might be going away for a while. So, I mean, jokes aside, this is a um, just a it's just such a disappointing situation. Just insanely disappointing. But what do you think about it, and what do you think about all the the updates? It's it's, it's obviously very serious. You know, we're, we're talking about the literal fucking FBI, the federal Federal Bureau of Investigation. And look, you know those motherfuckers didn't just come in, knock on his door. I mean, they came in with a fucking search warrant, told him, "Hey, open the fuck up." While his family was there, his kids, his wife, friends, maybe, and they raided his fucking house and looked through his shit like he, you know, like he was an old one. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so obviously that's all, you know, scary and shit, right? But look, innocent until, until proven guilty, right? Mm-hmm. We, we need all the details that are coming out, but as it's looking right now, it's looking very rough. It's looking like James Krause has completely and utterly thrown a lot of his success away, which is very sad because he's a guy that we praise a lot on this show. You know, mm-hmm. we praise him a lot. And I, and I think, uh, and you know, I told this to Josh. I, I don't think that James Krause is a bad person. I think James Krause has just made a very, very bad mistake. Mm-hmm. Which is, which people who are good can sometimes do. And that's, that's being human. You know, being human is, is fucking up, making mistakes, but also learning from them. And if this is all true and he did, you know, match fix or do something or leak something or whatever it may be, and he really fucked up. He really fucked up, and there's nothing you can do about it now because, you know, it's it isn't it isn't you versus UFC and getting in trouble and maybe getting fined or whatever. Now it's you being in trouble with the actual fucking government, which is the worst possible scenario that anybody could ever be in their lives. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, I think you said it pretty well there. I mean, he. I don't know James Krause personally. I don't. And I've made a couple jokes about the situation, but um, just because it's so disappointing. And I don't think he's a bad person, but look, when there's smoke, there's fire. And there's so much smoke around this thing that, like, it just it, it looks really fucking bad, man. It really, really does. For him to have this just an incredible, like, he made it out. He Like, he literally made it out. He made it out of fighting in this situation most fighters find themselves in in broke and looking up at the lights. That's how their career ends. James Krause made it out. Not only made it out, but made it out perfect. He was, he was a coach. In fact, one of the greatest coaches in the game. If if he did not have this ongoing scandal, he'd be in the fight of the year conversation. Not fight of the year, excuse me, coach of the year conversation. Brandon Reynolds having success. He's had a lot of guys who just come up and just done some incredible things, especially this year. You know what I mean? And just to throw it away, it's just it's it's insanely depressing. Depressing, and like like you said, like we don't know 
for 100% sure, like, what exactly happened. However, god damn, man. I mean, just just to potentially throw it away over just a random fucking, like, USC prelim fight, for one, incredibly stupid because it was extremely noticeable. Like, people, before there was even, like, a whole lot of traction, like, people were, like, random betting Twitter accounts, like, oh, shit, like, the odds just randomly flipped on this super random fight, and oh, wow, he entered the fight injured and went immediately down with an injury, and oh, wow, his coach runs a gambling podcast in Discord, like, just, what a what a waste, honestly, mm-hmm. but that's all I got to say about it, man. I mean, do you got any other quotes thoughts on this one? No, like we we talked about it, you know, before and kind of leading up to it, and there was a lot of just suspicious shit, right? And I mean, as soon as the news came out, the Discord went down, his some of his social media got turned off, and uh, and look, at the end of the day, who knows, right? We don't know any exact details yet. They probably 100% will be coming out, and we will have specifics that we will mention on this show, and we will report on you guys and give your thoughts and give our thoughts about, because that's why we're here, and we've been. I think very honest, giving a good perspective, you know, about everything and being clear and try to not, uh, at least, at least I make an effort to not sway in one direction or believe a certain narrative yet. But, uh, like, like we're saying, it's not looking good. And like I said, the literal fucking FBI is in this now. The Federal Bureau of Investigation is in this shit. So, yeah. I mean, that, like I'm saying, that's pers- worst possible case. Yeah. Yeah, I genuinely don't understand. Like, I see some people like, oh my god, like, oh my god, who, the FBI are getting involved? Like, this is, do people not think that what, do people not aware of the fact of what he's being accused of that's literally illegal? People lost money on this shit. Lots of people lost money on this shit. Like, they're very, they very well might have, do you guys remember, like, they're, the, the, what was it? Uh, the whole Black Sox thing, like the MLB, like, 80 years ago, where, like, they fixed, a couple of games and they all went to prison. <laughs> it's very just even the UFC fucking that one uh, that South Korean guy. He he took money to fix a fight, didn't end up fixing the fight, ended up winning. Even then, he still went to prison for like three or four years. You know what I mean? Like this is a very serious problem. I don't understand why people thought that this is just going to stop with Kraus having his credentials revoked or whatever. You like, know, th- this is a very good time to talk about when people talk about match fixing, dude. When they're like, dude, this fight was fixed. This this goes to show, guys, this is what happens. When a fight can potentially be fixed. Yeah, like, you gotta be careful with this sort of thing, man. Like, yeah. Even, even, like, let's say the best case scenario is, and this is, this is the best case scenario. Betters lost money because Kraus and his team did not do a good enough job on Derek Minner, like, withholding the fact that he held an injury. That's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is Minner went down with an injury that he had knew was pre-existing, and Kraus and his friends and possibly Minner himself made a lot of money off it. Yep. Yep. Like that's that that's prison, dude. Like you're gonna go to jail for that shit. So and for, and for something so dumb and avoidable, you know what I mean? Yeah, because I mean, even just betting, like, dude, the, the it was a random USC fight night. And they weren't even a big matchup, and they still threw a shit. They must have thrown a lot of money at it to flip the. I think the odds went from minus one eighty all the way to minus four twenty in the span of an hour, and it was like right before the fight happened. Like, I genuinely don't understand what they thought was going to happen. Like, <laughs> just 
mind blowing. Um, but yeah, man, like people always say, this fight's fixed, that fight's fixed. Like, there's re, there's a lot of issues with saying that because, like, dude, like, this is what could happen. This is what can happen. This is what happens when a fight is actually possibly fixed and motherfuckers go to jail. Yeah, that, that's why I really don't fuck with anybody joking about that. I'm like, do you guys realize when you say that, the magnitude of what the situation could be? Like, yeah. that is, it is not a joke. Even if you're, like, accusing of somebody of fixing a fight. Like, Jake Paul is going to have to go to court now because he accused Eddie Hearn of fixing AJ Usyk and Serrano uh, Taylor. Like, Hearn's bringing his ass to court. <laughs> like, like, he, like, they're all reasonable. Like, th- th- there's there's a lot of legal implications that go into fixing a fight or even talking about fixing a fight. So, yeah, no. Never been yeah. a fan of that topic or even joking about it. Yeah, so I don't, like... Just, just crazy, man. Just crazy. I mean, any other closing thoughts on this or any other thing that was our last topic? So, any other closing thoughts? No, man. I mean, I think we covered it great. You know, I mean, we gave the best, I think, thoughts that we could because with the information with we have, and you know, with some minor assumptions we're making, and with things that we've been seeing and stuff that have been going on, I'm sure that privately we'll probably talk about it a bit more openly. You know, just mm-hmm. because of the nature of it. You know. You never, you know, we don't want to make any, you, you know. Especially I'm not going to jail. Well, true, 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 right? But, you know, you're in the media, Josh, and you never know, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. But, I mean, yeah, man, I mean, it was, it's just disappointing. But, yeah, I mean, as far as the show goes, well, it was a pretty good episode. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Um, at Quartzite Sound, for all things related to the show, I'm at Josh Shevinoff. He's at Intertake underscore of one. Hope you guys enjoyed the show uh, once again. Sponsors Elixir and Rogue Energy. Code sound off for both. Get 10% off for both. The holidays are coming up, folks. Get uh, somebody something as a gift or get something for yourself with Code sound off for 10% off. And uh, as far as the show, hope you guys enjoyed. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.